My grandma has always said, it's wonderful that you have so many friends, and I agree with her. During the pandemic, I realized how much I miss seeing the people who make my life so bright and interesting, and I wanted to find a way to introduce all of these stars to the world. And so I created this podcast. You, dear listener, will get a chance to be introduced to those who make my world hum with possibility. We will talk about serious things, silly things, sad things, glorious things, and things that make us feel alive. So settle in. It's just you and me. Hello, everyone. We are back. I am thrilled to be here with Beth. Beth, tell me who you are and how do we know each other in whatever order you'd like. <laughs> so um, I'm, my name is Beth. Um, we know each other um, because Basically, I can't wait to hear this because I'm like yeah. curious to see what. Yeah, so basically through work, um, mm-hmm. interacted with each other when I, in my old job, yep. and, and like it is super hard to make friends as an adult. Yes. Like yes, we, we were like interacting when we when we were at work a little bit, and then I stopped working and I was like keeping up with you online. Mm-hmm. Finally, going to get together and have our like friend outing. And then the pandemic happened. Yep. Yep. Um, so, so I, we actually met, it must have been like 2018, either 2018. Probably because I started it in 20, fall of 2015. So okay. I think it was a couple of years yeah. before we met. Yeah. So that's how we met, but we like have yeah. socially, we've been in touch yeah. on, on the internet. And I've had fun chatting there. <laughs> yeah. And someday, someday when the pandemic is over, we will actually meet in person. I mean, not that we haven't seen each other in person, but um, meet in person and have an amazing time together. Yes. So who are you? Tell me more. So I am 41. I am a mom. I am an operations coordinator. That's my, my job, basically an admin. Mm-hmm. Um, I have two kids, um, seven and four. Mm-hmm. I'm married. Um, I live in Durham. I'm a black woman. It's about, I don't know. <laughs> what, like if someone were to describe you, how would they describe you? Let's see. I'm like a friend, not like a colleague. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I love to talk. <laughs> Let's see. I'm outgoing. I mm-hmm. love baking. Um, I'm also a certified yoga teacher. I haven't been doing it in the pandemic. What else? I used to be type A, but I'm no longer type A. How did you break free? Basically, I I just got super stressed and like oh. just had to stop. <laughs> like I don't know hey, how to put it. I, th- I, I, I feel a sympathy <laughs> towards that. And so that I, yeah. I think there's a breaking point, unfortunately, with some people. Some people could be type A and like totally comfortable, but mm-hmm. a lot of people like, whoo. That height, eventually, I mean, I'm a string player. Eventually that string's going to pop mm-hmm. and you are going to lose your mind for a little while. That, but then... That's what happened with me. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. I watch right. flashy television. I love trashy oh. television. Okay. Like what's your, what's your top ones that you've watched during pandemic? Oh my gosh. So much trash. So during pandemic, I watched that show on Netflix where they got married. Oh, Mar- 
Oh, the one, the one where they were in booths. Yes, where they were in pods. And they were in, in pods, and they were like, and, they, and, and it was like could, almost pandemic-y. Um, it was what the fuck was that called? Oh, oh, we're gonna have to look it up after. Um, yeah, but yeah, they. I loved that show. Yes, my mom into that show because it was oh, so good. Boring. But yes, I loved that, which is super trashy. I love Love um, is Blind. Love is Blind. Love is Blind. Thank which you. Which was yes. such a garbage because it. every single person on that show was was like classically like fine Attractive. looking. Yes. So yeah. I was like, yeah. this is bullshit. Like these Agreed. people Agreed. are like, there's no blindness that's happening, but it was amazing. It was amazing, but I agree. I would want because the other thing is like different types are attractive to different people. You know yeah, yeah. Because they're all like they were all sort of like Ken and Barbie attractive. That's that's what I'm saying. That's why I don't I don't even know if I would say attractive. They're just like general, like they're in that category of like, yeah. oh, yeah. we're supposed to believe that these people yeah. are attractive. Yeah. Which has yeah. like messed with my brain my entire life. Yes. So you know. Yeah. Oh, okay. What's yeah, the no, love, is, love is blind? Love is what's blind. another one? I watched Bridgerton like a maniac. I, I liked it. I don't care. People, people were, I mean, believe me, I know that the race, the race stuff in it is not great. Also yeah. Shonda, like, I don't understand her sometimes with like what she, yeah. her choices that she makes, but because <laughs> anything about like Olivia Pope and then like the two white men who are like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's up. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. To me. Um, but there Bridgerton, was delightful. But it was still delightful. And yeah, <laughs> one of my good friends can attest to like, my love of like trashy shows that are actually costume dramas. So like people assume masterpiece is all highbrow, but then they have something like pole dark, which is oh, have you seen? It's so good. It's so, so good. ridiculous. I love it. I know. It's like I know. so so yeah. So like I watch like the trashy things that are masterpiece trashy. I watch yeah. a lot of teen shows. Oh really? Yes. What like what? Okay. So like I love Riverdale, although I will argue Riverdale's actually not made for teens. The okay, I don't watch all, this, so now I'm fascinated. The parents are all our age, but okay, mostly good looking, but they're all like in their forties. Uh huh. And then there was a prom episode recently, and the music was music that would have been at like like you're in my prom in the nineties, and I was like. Really? I was like, do current proms play 90s music? What is this about? Yes. Okay. I have to say, because I, because my cousin is a teacher who also is like the prom person at his yeah. school. Yeah. The, the answer is yes to that. They, <laughs> there were numerous. So I help him because I yeah. love it. Cause I have like, yeah. that's the sort of person that yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah. And also I didn't go to prom. So like, there's this weird part of me that's kind of like, I'm going to prom again, like yeah. in my forties. Okay. <laughs> crazy. But yeah. They, I always make friends with the DJ and I went like one time, I can't remember what song it was, but they started playing like all of this nineties hip hop. And I was like, <laughs> how do you guys know? And this is like a Carrie high school. Yeah. I'm like, how do you guys know this? And they're like going crazy for it. And I was like, this is like my, pro like That's what my prom would have been okay, like. Okay, so this is what's happening now. Apparently. That's hilarious. Shocking. I was shocked. My, my last question for you before we go on to the real topic is, do you watch them because of, do you like to escape? Like what's your, what's your reasoning for being gravitating, for gravitating towards these shows? Do you think? I think sometimes it's escape. Uh-huh. 
sure. Because I don't just watch trashy TV, I should say. Of course. I also watched, like, things that people would consider quality. Like, The Americans, I love. Well, and this is also because, I mean, my episode with Allie about, like, trash TV. Like, we have this conversation where it's like, I don't know if a lot of people would consider Bridgerton or Holdark trash. Yeah. Yeah. So it's the whole notion of like what makes it trashy, which we're not going to talk about now, even though now I'm kind of excited to talk about this with you. We can have, have a whole other wait. conversation. We'll just have to wait. Yes. All right. Fine. Here we but go. Yeah. This is what this is what we're actually going to talk about. Bess, what's it like to be married to a white man? It's been it's been real. Um. <laughs> Tell me how you met. I want to know everything about this. Okay. About your love. So we met when we were seniors in um, college. Okay. And we took, we took the same class um, fall of senior year. I was an English major. He was an English minor. Okay. We did not get together in class, but I noticed that he was very smart, mm. which is important. Okay. Or liked men that were not smart. Mm-hmm. And he was also well-groomed. As you might recall, some men in the 90s, especially some white guys in the 90s, they were doing that grunge thing. Yeah, no. Yeah. He yeah. was not doing that. He okay. was clearly bathing himself. Um, <laughs> again, see, like we laugh, but people who were not in college, know. In the early aughts, late 90s, don't know what those boys did. And here's a terrible question for me to ask. Yeah. Were you, had you always been attracted to white men? I was attracted to like all guys. Yeah. Yeah. So and I, I feel like that's super unfair because I do not think that that's a question that white people get ever. Mm-hmm. Unless maybe they, unless like a woman dates a lot of black men. Yeah. But I don't think, I think it's like, oh, this is an anomaly versus like me being like, Beth, do you only date white guys? Like, I feel like that's, is that, con- would you say that that's more common in a stupid white question? I think it, it sort of depends on the context. So first, mm. like, I grew up in an overwhelmingly white town where no one found me cute. And I can say that confidently because it it feels decidedly different when you go from a place where, like, no one is thinking of even dating you, no one is yeah. even giving you a second glance, yeah. to moving somewhere else where someone might check you out. Or not even do, like, a creepy checkout, but the general, like, nice to meet you. Doing like a quick glance, like would I date this? Yeah. Person? Would I not? Yeah. Like it feels very different to change. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so mm-hmm. no one in high school, no one was interested in me. I found okay. attractive. I did. I there's a situation where I had a friend who grew up pretty cosmopolitan, lived in a different country for different countries for a couple of years, went to mm-hmm. an international school at one point when she lived in Europe, mm-hmm. and so. She had a photo up on her on her wall, and it was of an Asian guy. And I was like, "Oh, he's super cute." And she says, "Oh, thank you. No one here thinks so." And we were there in a group of people, and one other, at least one other person, was like, "Oh yeah, I. I mean, I don't think Asian guys are cute." And and like high Beth now would not let that shit slide. Right. But in high school especially since I was like the only black kid, I think I was just like, I'm just going to move on from this conversation. And, and I've just never been like that. Like I just, there's never been a, like, I only find this race attractive. I'm trying to think if I had a time. Okay. First of all, you said he was well-groomed and he was smart. 
Yes. That's a type. I mean, that's really it. That's like, a type. I mean, it's not like a, like a super narrow type. But it's it, not, but like. But a lot of people are out of the outside of those bounds. Yeah. Or I shouldn't say dumb. Dumb is not nice. Guys who are not intellectually curious were not. Right. I think there's a different, I think a lot of people are just like they just have the knowledge that they need, which is yes. absolutely fine. But I think that a lot of, and I will put myself in this category, a lot of us look for someone who is conversational and who mm-hmm. may have a breadth of knowledge be- yeah. beyond yeah. everyday things. And both things are fine. But I think that for me, at least, and it sounds like you brings like someone is more attractive to me when I can mm-hmm. have a deeper conversation with them. Yeah, that's how, mm-hmm. and that's, that was really it. And like, yeah. it wasn't like I had a ton of game in college, but I, I was in, I went to college in New York city uh-huh. and there were finally guys that found me attractive and, yeah. and like, you know, I didn't do the whole Benetton commercial, but like he <laughs> did, I did it. Like please I did explain, guys a variety. Please explain what that means. Cause that is that sounds really bad. So, so good. So back in the, you know, like. Benetton was this company that was yep. very known, like way before, like now actually you see more diversity in advertising, but I yes. think in the eighties, especially there would be that Benetton ad and there would be like a person of like every complexion and every yep. ethnicity. They might have a mixed race looking person in there. And, that and it was, was United Colors of Benetton. I remember that very yeah. specifically. Yeah. Which like now is like laying it too thick, right? It's too- yeah. but but then it was like oh interesting they clicked like many races of people in their ads so yeah so I dated guys of different races in college dated you know I dated some white guys I dated a Chinese American guy I dated like a Korean American guy of the white guys I dated, there was like a waspy guy, mm-hmm. was a Jewish guy, like, yeah, it was sort of, it was just like a variety. I don't know. Yeah. And like, in terms of guys I found cute, like, they, I mean, again, not everyone liked me. <laughs> in, terms right. of, in terms of like people I find attractive, that's, there's, that's never been, that's never been a consideration. Hmm. like that is a real question yeah so the love story when does the love story begin you're in class together yeah you notice he's clean notice he's clean notice he's smart Um, did you know him before this or was this the first time you really had interacted I I didn't and um we actually so we interact at a party after like after our midterm or after our final Mm -hmm. in or whatever it was November December our whole class like goes out because we're all seniors we're like let's go to a bar in the middle of the day yeah you know like go out out chat forever so we talked then and then I think the same group sort of got together right before graduation he was flirting with me a lot he had a date with someone else that night whoa scandalous (laughs) so so we did not get together then, but, um, we saw what were your thoughts though. Like, so basically for like six months, you didn't like, you had we, seen like, him, you'd seen him in the fall and, and like met yeah, him and, and like we, hung out. And then not until the end of the spring, yeah. hmm. which is crazy. Cause like, it was a big university and like, yeah. 
but it was a thing that was possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like part of it was, oh, I'm able to talk to this person that like I just talked to like one night months yeah. ago and it's very mm-hmm. easy. And so, so yeah, so we again didn't get together. Then we ran into each other at graduation. It turns out he had missed, he had written my phone number wrong the previous night we, we had seen each other. Just oh. a fake number. I was like, I want to give you a fake number. Um, he written my number wrong. Because remember, kids, this is back when the internet barely existed. Right. It's not like you could just tell someone some your name and then they could Google you or find your Instagram or anything. Like this is this is phone number. And even then he would probably be calling you and not texting you because texting didn't really become a thing until like 2006. Right. I mean it was sort of a thing, but it was not like it is now. Anyway, I just wanted to make sure that the audience knew. That's true. Because for the folks, they may not know. Yeah, so if you wrote down someone's phone number wrong, like oh my god, again. So we yeah. ran into each other, and then, and then we made plans to get together, and we made ended up making plans with we had two other friends um, that we were like both of us were friends with from this class that we had mm-hmm. together. Like, let's have the four of us get together, and we we got together as a group. I think a couple of times. He was back with back with his folks in Queens. I moved into Astoria, which is a Queens neighborhood also. Our mm-hmm. friends lived in Brooklyn. We were always going, we would sometimes hang out in Manhattan and sometimes hang out in Brooklyn. And I was like, come to come to Astoria. There's this place called the Beer Garden. It's great. Um, it's an like a historic place. Um, and so our friends were like, Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll go to this Czech beer garden thing that you talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Meanwhile, I think Matthew and I were like talking on the phone on occasion, like leading up to this, yeah, like going this date. Well, what became a date because our Brooklyn friends canceled at the last minute because also back then, and I think it has gotten a little bit easier, but like it was really hard. It took forever to get between Brooklyn and Queens. Right, right. um, It just took a thousand years. And our friends, I think they just were like, Whatever happened that day, they're like, I don't have the energy in it to like get on the Queens tonight. I'm just not. Yeah. So, so Matthew and I, so they cancel and we're like, do you want to just go and meet me? Like the, just the two of us go. Mm-hmm. And I think like very early on in this getting together, we're like, oh, this is a date and this is going really well. And did we, you, did you want it to be a date? I think I wasn't assuming anything. Cause I wasn't okay. like, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't assuming it was going to be, but I was like, this could work out. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I was like, this, this might end up being a date and that'd be pretty cool. Okay. And yeah, we just had a great time and we're just like attached at the hip from then. And that was July of 02. How did your families feel about you dating? Was there any, anything that uh, they were disappointed or they didn't care? Like, you know, I'm just going to ask you all the really uncomfortable yeah, questions no, that I think should, people, people don't want to ask, but I feel like, you know, someone might think, oh, if a black girl bringing a white guy home, like her parents are going to be pissed, you know? Yeah. Well, and this stuff is always so ridiculous in the movies. Like that was mm-hmm. one of the reasons I was right. talking to you about this. Cause I feel, right. I feel like for mixed race relationships in the movies are always just like something dramatic and absurd. And Oh yeah. I mean, it's like, it's, that's the sort of trauma that they always show. They always show queer trauma, you know, like something has to be a coming out moment. It's never just like, 
here's my girlfriend next, right. you know, right. Here's right. my white boyfriend next. Yeah. Yeah. How, so, so was that like, was that were your parents just like, all right. They were both my parents were sort of cool. So I'll talk about my husband's parents first. Yeah. Uh, if you have seen the movie, guess who's coming to dinner. Okay. Yes. The big, right. With Sydney Poitier, mm-hmm. the, the big deal is that like, is the scenario is, is like, you know, a white woman bringing her black boyfriend home for dinner. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Cause he's Sydney Poitier and he's playing right. like, he's playing like a dream boyfriend. Like right. he's playing the sort of man. If your child brought home, you'd be like, this person is super impressive. Mm-hmm. And then her parents are like very, her parents are super liberal New Yorkers. Yeah. And so they were, so the whole movie's interesting because they're freaking out because they're like, oh, well, this is who we raised our kid to be. Like we raised her to not be racist. We didn't expect her to bring home a black man, but like, I guess we have to be okay with this. It's sort yeah. of, yeah. And it's yeah. great. It's an old, an old timey movie, um, but it's, it's an old movie, but it's great. And his parents are like super, super liberal. So it, his parents were not like it, race was not an issue. Like we've like we've had other in-law things that in-laws have mm-hmm. had. Yeah. But like that wasn't a concern. And also I wasn't, I wasn't his first black girlfriend. And Matthew wasn't the first white guy I dated. Right. For me, like I had not dated anyone longer than there was this guy I dated for maybe six months. Mm-hmm. Out of those six, like a month was winter vacation and we didn't see each other like a month. <laughs> like a month right. and a half was like right. like summer vacation we didn't see so it was like really like a solid three yeah um, so you know so the different like we were in my case it was like the first like serious serious boyfriend probably mm-hmm. our parents didn't really care because he's mm-hmm. only he is unique in his family I think and being in like being married to someone who is not white I'm pretty okay. sure of, of the family members I know of, he is, yeah. is unique in that factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, they've had interfaith marriages, like people sure. who are Jewish marrying people who weren't Jewish. And then, but then in my family, there's other people who've been in interracial marriages and relationships. So people were not, and I'm not telling other people's stories tonight, but, like, it was fine. And it was also, like, well, I went to a primarily white institution for my university. So, like... The guy who am I going to find? I said, who am I going to find? Who am I going to find? So no, so people were, our families were like pretty cool with it. Yeah. Lucky. Yeah. Which is lucky. Yeah. And I mean, I know that's not the case with everyone, but like, that was the case with us. And I think, I think that's made a huge difference in the long run. Mm. I think just not, you know, because being in a long-term relationship with someone is already work. And if you don't have to do that extra work, it helps. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. What is it? Because this is, you know, you wanted to talk about this. Yeah. And so I would love to know what are things that people, assumptions people make um, mm-hmm. or things that they should stop doing? Like what, you know, and, and then also you have kids. Yeah. So, so any of those things that you want to talk about, because I just feel like this is an opportunity to correct, <laughs> correct people yeah. or just be like, yeah. everyone's doing fine. It doesn't matter. So it's funny. So I think part of it is that 
like I'm cynical. My husband is also cynical. I think <laughs> people who assume like, so you guys must not see race, right? And you must think that like racism is done. And we're just oh. like, oh, we talk what? about race like literally every day. No, yeah. people that people think that like, yeah. Wow. Or okay. people think that like your mixed race babies are gonna save save our nation. Don't put that on my children. Right. <laughs> Their job. And I mean, like, there have been mixed race babies for a very long time, very if long not time. always. And where are yeah. we? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, no, so I think that's one thing is people like assume that you've done it. United Colors of Benetton are your yeah. family now. Yeah. Okay. Um, and yeah, and we talk about race like all the time. What do you talk about when you talk about race? Um, that's a good question. We talk, I mean, we like, frankly, what's been going on in the news, we talk about a lot. Um, we, you know, we, it's interesting because like, I was thinking about that Americana post, like, like, um, sites, like that little, that passage from Americana that you posted mm-hmm. and like, you know, at this point, like, there are times where Matthew will just go ahead and assume someone's being racist, or that, like, I've mm-hmm. had with them being racist, when I'm like, oh, that person's been sort of difficult, and he's like, they're probably racist, like, and that's, that's happened a couple of times, yeah. where, um, because I think one thing that some, if someone has not had to deal with, again, pe- just, like, people being racist about stuff, yeah, I, there can be an assumption that like people of color are looking for incidents of racism when I feel yeah. like the opposite is true because like there's nothing you can do about that. Mm-hmm. Like, like, you know, if it's a if it's a work situation, if it's some other situation, like that's the that's the case where there's nothing you can really do. Yeah. Whereas like, oh, you know, maybe this waiter is not being nice to me because I didn't address them like the right way. Like there's other interactions that you can change and you can adjust. Yeah. Um, and there's also like a lot of gaslighting because no one will ever, like people won't acknowledge that you're dealing with a racism, like you're dealing with a racist situation. Yeah. So there are times where Matthew was like, oh yeah, that was totally racist. Like I had this job interview that was awful. And I was like, that might have been a little racist. And he's like, that was definitely racist. Like no one white that we talked to. <laughs> I had other white friends who were like, yeah, nothing like that has ever happened to me in an interview. Yeah. Um, and so so we'll talk about that. We uh-huh. talked about, um, we talked, like parenting has been very different. And I should say, I should say both of us are like, not to say that people need to like study race in school to be able, but it it sometimes helps to have a language about it. Mm-hmm. Like, um, ne- neither one of us became scholars, although he did finish his PhD, unlike me. Mm-hmm. Um, we both have sp- like spent a lot of time reading and thinking about race. Yeah, which gives us a little bit of a shorthand to talk about yeah. this. Um, yeah. So, in terms of like parenting and being aware of like you know expectations on children of color versus white children in terms of like like my husband has this thing about how white children can act at a playground um in terms of being and I mean I agree I agree with him but like Uh 
I think it sort of hit him with a lot of force as a parent. Um, In terms of just like, you know, kids being sort of untethered and roaming free, which is great, but not noticing maybe that your kid is being a jerk to some other children. And Mm -hmm. if parent of a child of color, you actually have to be hyper aware of that way that frankly, white parents often are not. Right. Um, I was, I'm curious, um, you know, I'm assuming people know what I'm going to talk, what I'm going to, what I, I, I'm assuming people are going to understand what I'm about to say, but how have you dealt with the talk? Cause I know that your brother, your, your son is seven. Yep. Yeah. So how did, did that go? Did that go? Did, did your, your <laughs> husband do it? Like what, you know, it hasn't been like a, let's have one conversation and talk about it. Yeah. We've had little conversations where, you know, we've basically explained to him that like prejudice exists in the world and that there are people who one, cause also you don't know how mixed children perceive of themselves and basically, right. but we have explained that our philosophy is like, we want to respect how our children, however they decide to define themselves, but yeah. also because there will be, because essentially like they, they're getting a lot of, they'll, they will get a lot of messages from the world that their black ancestry is inferior. Mm. We have to really work against that regardless of how they define themselves. Right. Yeah. Like they could decide to never call themselves black, but we have to make sure, but being black is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Right. And you know, if, if a police officer ever asks you anything, you have to do exactly what they say. You have to um, respond quickly and, you know, with respect. Police do, you know, that police have, have a history of judging, you know, black people. Our kids do not know about all the shootings because I just, it feels too young for them to know about that stuff. Yeah. And I, yep. I know parents who've talked with their children about about the shootings because um, that's a little too much. But like my seven-year-old knows that there are people who are sort of looking, who will look towards um, black people for bad behavior of some sort. Yeah. And that he's that that they're watched more and he's also aware of the fact because it's also really funny like you know like I've been using the term black pretty easy like rough you know slippery here um but when you talk to a kid they're like but but you're not like black like your skin is not black like your skin color is brown right Right. yes but people who who are brown are generally called this yeah and um so there's like that hurdle yeah Um, but, but no, he, you know, and he, it's interesting because he'll be like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm brown like you, mommy. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're brown like me, but you're a little bit, you're also sort of your dad's color too. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so he's starting to be per- aware of being perceived as like a black kid, I think. Yeah. And does your daughter, she's younger, but she's younger. Does she, how does she perceive herself besides just probably beautiful chaos? I mean, but she's aware that she's beautiful chaos. <laughs> she is definitely aware of that. It's interesting. So I, I'm, you know, I'm not really sure. Like uh-huh. she has not expressed herself from being different from me. Hmm. 
And in terms of like children's books, like we have been, it's in terms of like books we pick for our kids, like we make an effort to have books with black children or to have, have Mm. at least with children of color. The books we have that have exclusively white children were generally like hand-me-downs from other folks. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and so she's had, so she's, it's so funny. She, there's this book we got from a friend, from like a, a parent, one of my parents' friends that's literally titled, like, I'm a pretty little black girl, which I thought was you know, too thick, but yeah. ended up being this very sweet book because one of the things that the book talks about is like, you can be a black girl of various shades. Yeah. Um, my daughter has a little bit of a Meghan Markle thing where like, if you straightened her hair, <laughs> there'd be, yeah. you'd be like, is she Latina? Uh-huh. I don't like uh-huh. is, she, is she a white lady with an olive complexion but but this book like has girls that are that all consider themselves black that are like various shades and there's conversation about that so she has not at the very least she hasn't been like I'm different from you like she doesn't mm-hmm. feel different from mommy she seems relatively unconcerned both of them have always been in classrooms with where there there are children of various races, um, including black children, including other mixed race children. Mm -hmm. So also like, and that's one thing that's that's been good about Durham is like Durham has a number of mixed race families. And so like, they've never come to us and been like, well, it's weird that you and daddy are different races. Like they've never said that because- Right, because they see it. Because they see it. Yeah. If they were somewhere else, it might be different, but I think here they see it and that- And I, and that's really, you know, we were, we were never going to live somewhere where there were not other interracial couples and there were not other mixed race kids and certainly where there was not a significant black population. Cause like, I, it was funny. I was listening to your podcast with your friend who was like, when I became a parent, I became super black. Yeah. Um, And like, there's definitely this thing where like, we've become more conscious of being, of like having positive black influences, even though that's not the entirety of their ancestry, because that is the part of their ancestry that they're going to be told from people as inferior. And so we have yeah. to that's that. Um, which yeah. is hard because like, so like my field was African-American literature. <laughs> my husband oh. um, trained as a musicologist and you know, he actually did field work, which is a whole different thing. But like, in terms of what he could teach, it's basically like the Black American music tradition. Like, yeah. and he's just like, he's also just a big fan of music by Black folk. Uh-huh. Um, and so like, so it's not like something we've had to like work super hard. I mean, and we're not like perfect. Like, again, your, your friend sounded amazing. And I was definitely like, she is a way better mom than I am. <laughs> like, she sounds amazing. But like, there's... It's not that hard because also it's not like my husband picked me because he was like, black girls are great. I prefer other women, but but he was not someone like he already had, I think like an abiding love of blackness Mm. irrespective of me, you Mm -hmm. know? But not like a token that like, it's not like a token creepy thing. Right. (laughs) Right. Like if, if he had had children with someone blonde haired and blue eyed, like they would also grow up thinking that like, yeah, so a lot of our history, like a lot of America is essentially white supremacist in terms of its structure. 
Like, yeah. He would still grow up, like his kids would still grow up with that. He does not have blonde haired, blue eyes that he's, te- blonde haired, blue eyed children that he's telling that to. Right. They would still grow up with that. They would still grow up with the sense of like, you know, this is a population of people that has produced great art and, you know, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, and this is kind of my last thing, but you can, you can share whatever you'd like, but I, I do want to be aware of the fact that some of the questions that I have asked are centered a little more in trauma. And so mm-hmm. I, I want to also make sure that I'm uplifting joy. And so mm-hmm. what are some things that your family, like that your family or your husband, like what is the joyfulness within, within your relationship? And, you know, within the fact that you, you are coming from two different races, um, Mm -hmm. what that, what that kind of creates in your own world. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think there's, I think there's joy in family in general, right. Mm -hmm. Even though, and I love that you're phrasing it that way because we don't always pay attention to it. I also think, you know, there's just things about our cultures that we respect. So my husband, he he's culturally Jewish um, on his father's side. His his mother's parents were were Czech. When when his when his grandparents on his mother's side came to the country, it was still Czech. Came to the U.S. Um, they had left Czechoslovakia, right, which is split off. So this um, is why he wanted to go to the Czech beer hall with you. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't okay. his first time there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and. Um, I mean, it's also, if you lived in Astoria and you were in your twenties, like, I know, <laughs> obviously teasing you, teasing me. Yes. <laughs> um, and, but then on his, on his father's side, he is, um, culturally Jewish. Uh-huh. His father was never bar mitzvahed. Matthew was never bar mitzvahed. Like they're, they're not religious, but culturally speaking. Yeah. And like, that is a, like a rich culture of like great food, great language mm-hmm. I mean when I think about how much how 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 many American like American idioms come from either like black vernacular or Yiddish it's yep. like very impressive yep the other thing that I wanted to to bring up and it's so funny because I know I sent you like a Pew survey about like mm-hmm. families mm-hmm. thing that I always joke about in Durham is that like I'm always surprised that there's so many couples where there's a black woman and a man who is either white or like white appearing because mm-hmm. according to like all the surveys that like all the data we have um we are the least common interracial coupling <laughs> there's a yeah really us in Durham like, I, I would not be surprised if you know other couples that look like us in Durham in particular, but we, no. are, you know, but outside of, but outside of Durham, it's opposite. It's usually a white woman and a black man, if there's going to be an interracial component to. Well, and that's still not the, so. Really? So that's still not even the most common. So, yes. So a white woman with a black man is a much more common pairing than a black woman with a white guy. Mm-hmm. It is, it is more, I think. Again, I'm thinking about like the Pew, this Pew survey. I'll put that in the in the show notes too. I'll link to it. Yeah. Yeah. I like I love sociologists' data mm-hmm. things that they do. I did not want to study it, but like I love what they do for the rest of us. Yeah. So yeah, so it's like twice as many, something like that. But then the more it's much, much more common to date outside of your race if you're Asian American or if you're Latinx. 
more common. Which again, with Latinos, it's also complicated because they're Afro-Latinos, but they're people who are who don't think of themselves as Afro-Latinos, right? So it's a different, and I understand that that's a very complex thing. And there's also obviously a variety of people from Asia. So yeah. like if they looked at that data differently and they were like, let's look at, you know, Japanese Americans. You both are the bedrock of a lot of this culture, which people yeah. don't like to, people don't like to admit, but I mean, the richness yeah. is, I mean, and, and the fact like the music that you were, you know, talking yeah. about before, like, come on everyone, like without yeah. any black musicians, we would not have the music that yeah. we have yeah, at all. Yeah. And like, there's also, I mean, there's also like, you know, like there's a, there's like a super, there's a rich tradition of like Jewish Americans being involved in the civil rights movement, for example, yeah. like frankly, music production, like these are populations that have been mixing and mingling for a while. Mm -hmm. And so I think, so like that history is really cool. Indian Americans, you know, Chinese Americans, like if they broke it down by nationality, it would be different, but just looking. So yeah, but like out of all of the pairings that you can do, a black woman and a white guy is the least common. There's a pack of us in Durham. I don't know if it's just that like a lot of us seem to know the same, like are in the same social circles or like interconnected social circles. I think that's great too. It's, I mean, it's great for all of our children. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, I, and, and as you said, it's not like you're trying, you're like, you know, trying to create the perfect Benetton ad, but I do think no. that, you know, like you were talking about that, that book that your, your daughter was reading, like representation matters and like, it seeing, does. Yeah. yeah, seeing yourself um, mm-hmm. in other children and other family structures, like that's really important. So that's good. It, it is. It is super important. And like, I have thought about, because this other thing I've noticed is looking at TV, we are a couple, and again, it'll be interesting to see what the latest census says, because maybe it's different. Mm -hmm. Um, But looking on TV now, I'm noticing whether it's like as a couple on a show or just in like a lot of ads, like little commercials. There are many more commercials where you will see, or even just like uh, stock images for ads, right? For mm-hmm. where you will see like a black woman and a non-black man, yeah, a black woman and a white man, yeah, many more than what you used to, yeah. and um, and I sometimes I'm a little bit suspicious because mm. one there's a buried thing where like Asian, Asian Americans are greatly underrepresented in the media in general, like on, like on TV and all sorts of forms. Yeah. Um, and then a lot, like the thing is, I feel like we, as a couple, we face a lot less scrutiny than say a black man and a white woman, Mm. just a lot less. Yeah. That's sort of due to the nature of I feel like the history, like when you look at like white supremacy and the patriarchy and sort of like what is what is considered, like what types of women are considered valuable in our country, all of those coupled together. Yep. You're the least valuable. Yeah. I mean, it sucked. Yeah. Like it, it, it's not a yeah. comfortable thing yeah. to say or think about, but that's when you started yeah. talking about that, that's the reality. That's the reality. The other reality is white men can do whatever they want, right? Yep. Consequently, white guy and a black woman, we don't really get crap from too many people. We just, um, black man and a white woman will get 
Like that is a, a great way to piss off a white supremacist. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times when I'm seeing so many more commercials with black women and white guys, I'm like, oh, this is a company that's trying to be edgy. They're trying to be woke, but they don't want to piss people off. So that's why they make a couple that looks like us mm. in of like a black guy and a white woman that's more yeah. common or again Asians like in any sort of interracial pairing which is much yeah. more common um because maybe they worry that they won't get the same numbers of I don't know right right but, like I'm very so I'm very so part of me is like that's great for my kids because they'll they see people that look like their parents on tv but I think about like all those kids who are not seeing their family represented and I also just get very cynical because it's like, yeah, we're piss off the fewest people. Because if anything, yeah. people will occasionally be confused and they'll be like, oh, this is a family. We did not realize this was a family. Right. <laughs> right. But like, but we don't really get too many, we don't really get people too many, like, too, like, like actively upset. Mm-hmm. I guess that's great. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's such a fucking low bar, but like, you know. <laughs> It's better. Yeah, it's yeah. better than people being actively mad at you because right, it you is. fell in love with someone who happened to not have the same skin color as you. Right. Is like, right. Right. You know, it's no. It's in true. some ways this it's conversation true. is completely ridiculous, and yet in other ways it's like so necessary because so many people. This this is something that is happening more often, but this is not something that is the norm. Yes. It's exactly. It's not the norm. And it's far from the norm. Like yeah. that's the other thing is like, this is also why I love straight up data because there's also like, so there's so much, there's, there's a, a perception of the amount, the numbers of like, of people interracial dating just in general, mm-hmm. and a small portion of the population, again, whichever version of that pairing you're looking at, it's yep. so few people. Yeah. And like, you know, and it's funny because it's something that I've thought about a bunch. Like, this is why I was like, oh, I'll talk to you about this. Mm-hmm. People don't really ask me about it. And it's not really an issue for most people I know, because more people, most people I know are in same race relationships. Yeah. Um, or maybe they dated. There's a big thing where people were like, I dated this type yeah. of that type of person, but like uh-huh. not just coincidentally, like <laughs> not, you know, in in some cases, very intentionally, they mm-hmm. were only going to marry someone of the same background. Yeah. 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 I think that's, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I coming from where I, when I, where I came from, that feels like the most truth that mm-hmm. there's just this assumed commonality that, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, yeah. and as I've lived and been in different places, you know, I lived in, in the city of Chicago, mm-hmm. like Mm-hmm. And there was a totally different world of acceptance and understanding and also just cultures being much more combined. I mean, it sounds like mm-hmm. you and I grew up in a very similar high school experience, very homogenous white, yeah. a couple of kids of color, but you know, like, and that's just what, if you see yeah. that, that's what, I don't know. So, yeah. well, thank you. This has been yeah. really fun. So yeah. now we get to, we get to turn the tables as is the, as is the, um, the tradition on this pod and you get to ask me anything that you'd like okay about so, absolutely anything so i have two um oh what that well, is I have, no no then one is uh, the second one is only if it's already been asked oh, it's like a choose your own adventure um, one, 
Yeah. One is what have like during this pandemic, mm-hmm. um, what have you learned about yourself that mm-hmm. surprised you? Mm-hmm. And if someone else has asked that and I've just missed it. No. Okay. But I'm curious about the second one, but I'm going to answer the first one. Okay. The second question is in doing these podcasts, again, with a lot of, in a lot of cases, like people, you know, really well, people, you mm-hmm. know, careers, um, what has surprised you the most? So I'm not going to answer the second one only because a friend of mine. So since I've kind of declared um, a moratorium on only doing 60 of these, Mm-hmm. for this season or whatever in the hell I'm calling this. Um, a friend of mine actually said, it'd be kind of cool for you to do like a, a um, I don't want to say some nation, but just like a, like a reflection on mm-hmm. what this ah, project okay. has been like. So I'm probably going to answer. So I will answer that question cool. then because cool. I'm actually going to ask people, everyone who's been interviewed to like, ask me some questions so that I can kind of have something to lead off of. Right. Mm-hmm if I remember what you had said correctly, it's uh, the question is, uh, what have I gained from the pandemic? Learned about yourself. Learned about myself. Mm. Okay. From the pandemic. So I think the thing, and this is kind of a recent thing for me, but I mean, it's important that I have learned is that I am a very, I mean, I've always known this about myself, but like naming it is very different. Mm -hmm. I am a very dedicated people pleaser. Mm -hmm. I don't like people to be mad at me. I don't Mm. like to disappoint people. Um, I will kind of be a pushover so that Mm -hmm. other people feel good. I would much rather that. Um, Mm. And, you know, something that I've, that I've really kind of internalized myself is that it's not healthy and it's not sustainable (laughs) to to do that. And, you know, being, being a 41 year old who is really kind of trying to turn that on her head. I mean, it's very, very difficult because I feel like I'm, I feel like I've always been there for all of my friends and I, and I care about them and love them very deeply, but in a way that hasn't always brought me what I need. Like a lot of times I have felt like my, I am kind of the caretaker of the friendship, but not really in the friendship. And so that doesn't mean that I'm ending any friendships or that I'm, you know, just casting everyone out. But I just feel like it's, I've gotten to the point where I know what I need and what makes me feel good. And I thought for the longest time that, that being in this space of like, I don't want to say everyone walking all over me, but there was definitely part Mm -hmm. of that, that it's just not, it's just not something that, that I can do anymore. Yeah. I think, I think the pandemic, although, you know, some amazing things have happened during the pandemic, like this is fucking exhausting. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what you're, I mean, what is it like 450,000 people have died. Mm-hmm. You're all 
if we are able, you know, basically trapped in our own homes, mm-hmm. which is like the, the, <laughs> like the best case scenario, you know, or you're, or you are working as an, as a essential worker and mm-hmm. you're being abused in some ways because everyone is wanting everything from you. And you're also putting your health at risk. So I just think that this, something about this time has really made me reassess like like how I want, like how I feel about who I am and who I'm putting out in the world. I'm also thinking, I'm like, I mean, I'm by myself, like a lot of time to think I'm a thinker a lot of times to my detriment, but I think that that's really been a really, really important thing. And I also feel like I've tried to, I've really tried to live into the fact that if this shift in my own way of interacting with people and being a friend changes a lot of friendships in a negative Uh way, then I need to realize that maybe those relationships weren't as strong as I thought that they were. And, and I have to trust Mm-hmm. That the people that, that, you know, that people, people who are experiencing this, which again, is not, I mean, I'm not like going crazy or anything, but it's just like yeah. pulling back a little bit, like that people will still want to be in my life, mm-hmm. but I don't have to convince them that if I do literally everything for them and their enti- and our entire friendship that like, I am valued. Yeah. Yeah. But just like small stuff, you know, That's- just, like a small <laughs> whatever, like lifestyle change. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. And it's, and it's scary. You know, it's funny. Cause like every, cause I feel like every, some, every time some, one thing that I am going to bring up in like my podcast review is that I am not usually, I've talked about this on the, on the other pods, but I'm not usually a very open person with many people. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this has actually been this bizarre exercise in incredible vulnerability for me to just mm-hmm. be like, this is what's up. I mean, cause believe me, there have been quite, there have been answers that I have, have said, and then I've listened back and I've been like, people are going to be like, what the fuck? Like, is she really my friend? You know? And I'm like, I don't know how else to answer yeah. that. You know, I'm yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So it like, it like kind of freaks me out, but I'm also just like, I can't, it's not sustainable anymore. It's not. Yeah. That's a, that's a very healthy thing. And it's that there might be people who disappear, but like, right. Those people are not helping you, man. (laughs) You know? Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah. So that's, that's what I would say. And thanks for asking. I mean, that's a, that's an important thing. And I really have been thinking a lot about that. So I am very grateful that you married a white man and um, came on my little pod yeah. And you know, when we have a vaccine and like, well, we have a vaccine, but when we get vaccinated yes, in, yeah. you know, how many ever months that's going to be, I cannot wait to sit across from you and have a cocktail or a, uh-huh. or a coffee, probably still wearing masks. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? We're going to be wearing masks forever. We're going to be wearing masks forever. It's so fine. We might be able to like eat out some, some, somewhere, maybe. Yeah. I don't even care. I could be sitting in a field 500 yeah. feet away. It's fine. Yeah. Whatever. So I'm really grateful to you for being on this and appreciate your honesty. And I am looking forward to seeing you, you know, sometime. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for being here. Yeah. Thanks All for right. having this podcast. It's been great. You're very welcome.
I am so lucky to know such incredible, thoughtful people, and I thank you for listening. Come back soon for another episode of It's Just You and Me.